episode number 92, The Parking Lot at the Legendary Black Sheep Before a Sold-Out Show. Brick and Mortar are in the springs. I want to take the train with you. I want to run away with you. Come on, run away. Run away with me. I've got a secret window. From there you can see it all Don't be afraid to reach it Don't be afraid to fall Respect the fact that everything you hate Your thoughts, your words, and everything you say Microphones, interviews, questions. Chick, chick. All right, guys, we're doing this. You hear me okay? Yeah. All right. Perfectly. All right, I've got uh, John and Brandon, brick and mortar. Hello. Welcome back to the Springs. Thanks Thank for uh, having us back here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for taking the time out. Yeah, we love it here. Now, when were you, you guys were here, what, six, eight months ago? Yeah, yeah, we, we had a headline show here last time in August. That's the last time we were through here. Nice. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and tonight and we're playing with the Front Bottoms and Diet Sig, and it's uh, sold out already, so that's pretty awesome. Nice. It's and how's the, uh, how's the tour thus far? Uh, really fun. We've been uh, making a big mess on stage and apologizing for it. 
a lot of glitter. Our Richie Brown is, you know, a character on stage with us that people, I don't think everybody's really seen. We've only done a couple tours with him. But uh, it's going to be a fun show, a lot of surprises. Yeah, so is the uh, the glitter a new addition to the to the stage show? Yeah, or? Each, the, the each cross show, glitter yeah. is a new addition. <laughs> to Each show we have something new and different. Yeah, so. just, just to keep you sane? Yeah. Yeah, yeah have, we're also like, uh, you know, we're trying to make the show like an experience. And uh, we have a little opportunity now to expand what we're doing, so we took nice. the chance to do that. Yeah. Very nice. Now, you guys have been together since 2008. Uh, yeah, we yeah we've been brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Yeah. Well, no, since 2010 we've yeah. been brick and mortar. Uh, we've been playing together since we were 14. We're like 31 now, so it's kind of hard. It's very hazy story because you know it's kind of all one thing, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I say we started singing and writing songs as brick and mortar in 2010. Gotcha. Now, when did you guys formally decide to keep it a, a two-piece band? Oh, it was always a two-piece. It was always yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I played in this band when I got out of high school and we broke up, and then Brandon was still my friend, and then uh, I just told him I was like, "Yo, you should play something, like play the bass or something," you know. And he had, he picked the bass, started playing all the time, and then uh, we just started playing like all the time. Yeah. yeah and we really just did it. Well, I, you know, the reason I was doing it was just because it felt good. I never really wanted to succeed or <laughs> knew what I wanted. And then when we started writing songs, it was just to see if people would believe them. But we weren't really that type of band to think we were going to get famous or try. A lot of people said, oh, you should do this, you should try this, you should try, you know, go for it. And uh, the things that happened to us were kind of all by luck and then hard work after that. But we really didn't consider ourselves to be like this band you know, we, yeah we, we were just doing it because uh i don't know it, it was kind of like a release for yeah. both of us you know because i mean i had pl I, that band that i was playing with in high school really like didn't really mean that much to me you know but everything uh, since the day one that we started playing like it meant something like whether it be a connection musically without vocals or something and then it it graduated to us yeah. having vocals and samples and then brandon coming up with these unique melodies and really poetic lyrics and we it was we, it was about feeling like um feeling like something that's why we did it you know but we didn't when we weren't made the first ep that we ever made we definitely didn't know if people would like it or if you know anyone would even listen to it yeah. and then we you know we kept playing and then we looked up and then all of a sudden we're like here so <laughs> yeah you know now did you guys ever struggle with the idea that most of your peers are a more formal four-piece five-piece band was that something that you're like well gosh if we're going to be no i thought that this? was boring gotcha. yeah <laughs> we never really thought about it actually i mean like i never wanted to do that yeah personally myself i mean like prior to i mean me and brandon been playing like you said been playing together since like two we were 14 but there was times where we like jammed with somebody else but it just didn't feel right and yeah, like because i was always the one that was like this is dumb let's not <laughs> let's not do this yeah you know now you guys came up in uh, in New Jersey. Yeah. And I saw a lot online about the uh, the Asbury Park scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. I live there. Now what what exactly to an outsider? What was the Asbury Park? They described it as sort of a um, a scene. So what was that? I don't think it's really a scene. I think it's a place that's cheaper to live a couple years ago. Um, now it's getting more expensive because it's becoming gentrified and changed. But um, it was somewhere where a lot of artists moved to. So you had a lot of bands living there. But it's kind of every man for himself there. It's not a built-in scene like other places. So kind of like, you could make it there, but you gotta be like a tough band, you know? Yeah. You gotta really like, grind it out. Um, I'd love to say there's a big scene there, but I don't think it's... 
I mean, there's a there's a music community, but I wouldn't say it's like a, like a huge scene like Brandon was saying. But there's definitely bands in there that kind of play like the same circuit. You know, we know a bunch of them and stuff. So yeah. I mean, I wish it was more of a scene. Yeah. To be honest, so was that still home for you guys? That's no, yeah. I've lived there for like I love Asbury. I, I've lived there for a long time. It's like Asbury is awesome. All they need is like a really awesome promoter to to really push the scene. Yeah. Because yeah. bands can only play shows, but it takes somebody to be behind the scenes to really push that scene to be what. You know, to be something that can generate bands that can have make a living off what they do. And yeah. Asbury itself too isn't really like a huge tour stop for most bands. I mean, there's there's some bands that come through there, you know, like some popular bands and stuff like. But it's not like, you know, it's not like New York. You know right. what I mean? So. Yeah, but I love Asbury Park. So, what was the experience like for you guys when you first started to play outside of your? your hometown when you started to get some traction and play for bands or play for crowds that had no idea who you were oh well I mean terrifying. what was that <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was terrifying <laughs> awkward I mean we played to really small crowds and you know but we played as if we you know if, even if there was like five people they were playing as if there was five thousand you know what I mean also, yeah, yeah. also I mean like I don't know the way I've always been as a person is I can meet a stranger and just start talking to them and if as long as I act like we're friends we're probably friends right, right. you're probably not a psychopath you know <laughs> so that's how I treated the audience if I just you know, act like we're already friends and we're not strangers, then they'll feel comfortable. Because people want to be part of an experience. It's just we're trained by society to think that they don't, yeah. you know. So at what point over your 15-year your career so far did you sort of look at this unit and go, this is what we do now, where it's not just a release, it's not just something fun to do. This is sort of your identity. Probably and within the last couple of years, really. Yeah. No kidding, just that mm -hmm. recently that this became... I, yeah, would I mean, think I was I working would, at the movies. Yeah, four what was years that? ago, I was working at the movies four years ago. He was a garbage man four or five years ago. Yeah, I would think now more than ever because we're working on our first full length, where it's just me and Brandon producing, and we have our friend Pat Noon from Eight Sixteen Music Studios yeah. engineering, and and he was know. the guy that we made our first record with. Yeah, our first EP. Really, really seeing that like after we got dropped from the label, and we were like. Well, what happens now? And we were like, all right, we're just going to do this. We're just going to go for it. And then having enough support to keep going, that's what made us realize, oh, this is what we are. Because it doesn't matter who cares. Because the fans care. So it doesn't matter if business people, you know, give a shit or whatever. Right, right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. That's when it really felt really real, I guess. So what is that process like for you? Because I've seen a lot of your uh, uh, stuff online, both the videos and then some of the live uh, performances that you've done. Mm -hmm. When you guys are working on new material, are you aware of how that's going to translate on stage? And then also, the, the videos that I watched are amazing. You guys have, in fact, I was watching the Staying Gold video. Yeah. Uh, oh, that right? guy's actually from here. His yeah, name he, is Roscoe? Yeah, just before I came over here, I was watching that. And honest to God, I almost started crying. I mean, that is the most well, poignant. First time I saw it, I welled up too, man. Oh, my God. He, we, can't, we can't take credit. Like, the way we've always operated is um, we do what we do, and then we find people who we respect, and then we say, hey, what song do you like the most? And then we have them do their idea. Right. And then uh, we just don't get involved with anybody we don't respect, kind of, as a person, too. It's not just about how good you are. You just be a good person. Yeah. If you're a good person, you're going to make something good. Because you're going to be smart. Because good people are pretty smart, usually. And um, the guy was actually from uh, Colorado. He was from Denver area. His name was Roscoe with Blurred Pictures. And he okay. did a couple of the videos. Yeah, yeah that, he did that. He did Hollow Tune. He did uh, Brighter Than the Sun. He did like three, three or four videos, I think. Yeah, for us. yeah. And the stage stuff is one of those things too, where like uh, our friend Richie has always done our artwork for our band from the beginning, and uh, he's just really creative and he was kind of doing performance art himself. So he said, "Hey, would you want to come on tour and you can do whatever you want?" 
we don't care what you do. And he really takes advantage of that. You don't care. Yeah. <laughs> he really pushes that. We don't, he don't care what you do. Yeah, he's, he, he, de he designs. Not only did, does he design, like, posters and T-shirts and stuff, designs for that. He also does, like, all the live visuals and makes his own props and, you know. And he's, like, a sick performer. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just a natural, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, and he's a great dynamic to have in the van, too, because, you know, he's just very logical, level-headed, you know, um, yeah, Richie doesn't. R Richie doesn't want us to do things on stage ever if they're not meaningful. Yeah. So more of our stage show is starting to evolve. It's still crazy, but we're trying to put as much meaning as we can into it. So yeah. it's more like therapy to come to the show. And yeah. has that been a transition for you, where it is more about the performance as opposed to just the music, where it is an experience? In it's always been to the about music. the performance for yeah. me yeah. personally. Uh, I mean, I'm notorious for being like, I don't care if we were terrible. Like, as long as we did a good job, you know connecting with people yeah because i think it's like you know um people pay money to see a show people pay money to be a part of an experience and it's not how good you are or how perfect you're playing it's about that magic moment that you have with that crowd that's unique you know it's not about to me the how good you are and, and this is probably an, an unanswerable question but how do you know when you've had that magic moment what does that feel like for you as performers when it's like we may not sound perfect. The sound's a little wonky, but this was magic. Tonight was magic. How do you, you, you know could that see? That I could you see. Could, it in you the could see in the yeah. You could see in the crowd's faces. Um, you know, uh, if it's like a musical moment that Brandon and I have, we like look at each other and smiling because we're tingle, we're tingling and stuff. I know it sounds weird, but that's just kind of how what music I mean, does I, to I, you. I you know? feel like my strong suit is reading the crowd, so I feel like I could tell. Yeah. I get like you know because when when something bombs, it feels like. Like a girl just dump you, <laughs> you know. And then when it goes good, it feels like um, feels great, unreal. Yeah. It feels like magic. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where it's it's obvious. You know, you could feel the presence in a room. You know, when you when someone's behind you, you right, right. You, don't, you didn't see them, but you feel it. You know, it's like that. Well, this sounds like kind of a jaded question, but when did you guys first start to have fans coming to your show? They came into a building to see brick um, and mortar, and what was that experience like for you? People you never met. And all at once they've come to see you guys perform. Well, Colorado's a unique example, I think, because uh, KCTL, um, the radio station here, and Nerf and Nick Cage and all those guys, they got behind Locked in a Cage when that came out back in 2013. And, and like, that really kind of... That you know, was our probably the first yeah, time it felt like... Our first show in Denver people, yeah. at Marquee Theater was just incredible. Yeah. All know? of our first fans were more like like friends yeah. because we didn't know them then we met them we kept going back and it would be 20 or 30 people so it's different you know. and all yeah. those people too are you know are as many as we can we stay in touch with on social media all the social medias and stuff so it's kind of like some people we know on first name basis you know what I mean and you know so it's kind of cool you know oh that's very cool I got right, one, so one, bad uh, one kind of random question how many movie references are in the video for Train I got to like ten or fifteen, and I tapped. I, I had a list. Nineteen or twenty <laughs> or something like that. Nineteen or twenty. Oh, if I had it, I have a list of how many there are. That's fantastic. Yeah. At any rate, just a random <clears throat> comment. Cool. So I did go online, and there's a ton of positive reviews out there. You know, dating back probably 2010, 2012, that kind of thing. Mm. Is that something that's relevant to you guys, or do you track that, or do you care when you go good or bad seeing reviews? I, online? I personally can't get enough of bad reviews because I think they're funny. Yeah. I don't think John likes bad reviews. I enjoy them very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, bad reviews are bad reviews. Some, I, sometimes they're funny. I save them. <laughs> no, no, why? What's the fascination with... Um, because it's funny. Just because, the absurdity of it? Well, your whole life you're doing this thing, and like you're dedicating your life to it, and then some kid that just doesn't even like anything genre-wise that you do, he's just like, uh, 
brick and mortar sucks and I hate them, they're terrible. And I'm like, uh, you know, to me it's, to me it's like um, not a big deal because music is like food to me. I hate mustard. I hate mayonnaise. You can hate that too. Maybe I'm that kid's mustard. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I don't like think it's a big deal, but I do yeah, think you, it's funny. You can't please everybody. Also, like, really extreme hatred towards a, a music group is funny because it's silly. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're just singing. So it's like, it's not so like... That's uh, where your energy is going to yeah, go. Yeah, we're not like, we're not Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Now you guys are on a pretty uh, pretty extensive tour right now mm-hmm. uh, with front bottoms. Yeah. The the vacation part is when you're on stage. That's the fun part. Yeah. The other 23 hours out of the day. What do you do to keep sane? What do you enjoy about being on the road? Sleep. <laughs> Sleep uh, in the is that the answer to both? What you do and what you enjoy? Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, I like the hotel. I like going to hotels every night. You know. I like, I like hotels. Uh, I like cheeseburgers. I like breakfast. Yeah, I like uh, like having a shower every day. That's awesome. Yeah. Tour, you know, and no. uh, just traveling too with my what, friends. What's cool about tour is it's not real life. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's like you feel like you're in a bubble almost. You know, and your only duty is to try your hardest on stage in hopes to win yeah, people and you, over. And your you tour know? manager just like you're like kids. So your tour manager's the dad. He makes sure you're not being idiots. You're fighting with each other. He's telling you to both shut up. Yeah, that's like his job is to kind of watch you so it's kind of like being in a club that's real small and that's what's the best part about Torres is because the experiences you're having whether they're wins or fails whether you have a great show you have a problem you're all there together so it's kind of like uh, you don't have many experiences in life as you get older that are like that yeah and are you guys able to work on the road as well or is it tough to squeeze in time to we kind of try but we don't force it I guess right yeah. Uh, what do you say? Like work on tour or like work between tours? Uh, we're not no, on tour. Work like oh. on, on, yeah. on music. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John's uh, like, damn man. <laughs> I'm just having a job all the time. You mean like work work? You like, mean like being a waiter or something <laughs> at a restaurant? <laughs> like, like, what do you day? mean? Like that happens. <laughs> no. Yeah. We like we make beats and stuff and like you know come up with you know stuff and work on um, you know songs that we're going to be working on when we get back. From yeah. Tour you just can't or, push yourself because you'll just hate it. Yeah. You know. It kind of just is like this. You know. You before you do it, you have this like kind of like itchy feeling, you know, like oh I'm gonna like do this now, you know, like yeah, you, and then you you'd be making it. beats and Brandon will be on his headphones for like you know three hours, you know. So it's yeah, or John's doing something. Like what is John doing up there and the, and, the, and the thing. But if I'm not ready to like hear it, I don't even ask him because if I'm not, I don't, if I don't have the extra energy to like, you know, make something up. It's better to just let it sit. Yeah. And then maybe you know three days from then I'll be like, yo, send that thing to me or let yeah. it marinate. Yeah. Well, after 15 years of doing this, obviously a lot more to come. Uh, the growth and success that you've had up to this point, what are you guys most proud of as brick and mortar? The kind of fans we have, yeah. I think I'm proud of that the most. Because they're, they're the most diverse, sweet, loving people, you know, and they're like, you know, they're all very interesting and are talented and, you know, it's it's really and it's really cool to like actually meet them in person, you know, because social media, though, know, you know, there's like that blockade where it's just like this digital blockade where you you know you can't like it's not like a like a tangible handshake, you know what I mean? Right. So it's cool to meet them in person and stuff. Yeah, and also like I'm not particularly the kind of person to have like tons of faith in myself or belief really, which I know on stage probably seems not true because I feel like on stage I'm having a lot of fun and I look pretty confident. Um, but as a person, I don't have a lot of faith in myself. I don't have a lot of confidence. So I feel like I'm really lucky because the fans really make me believe I could keep going. You know, it's one of those things where like I go out of my way to interact with people as much as I can. 
um, because of the fact that we weren't two guys that were like, we're so good, we're definitely going to make it. We're definitely doing this. I'm born to do this. Like, I didn't know when I was 14. I wasn't singing in front of mirrors, you know what I mean? Right, right. I just did this because my friend was playing, and we couldn't find anyone to sing. And I was like, well, let's. Tr- I'll try. And then, you know, here we are. It's yeah. kind of in a gist what, like, what happened. But we were never the band that really... Th- we always... Are harder on ourselves. Yeah, we like. we never like we never expected it like really anything, anything to happen. You know, I don't think we expect much as a band at all. Anything, any opportunity that came our way, we just earned on our own. You know, it wasn't just like hand get. We had to work to get it. You yeah, know? So. we're also like, you know, we're not a safe band to sign to your label. We're not gonna like not say what we want to say. I don't care. You know, Richie even. Yeah, the guy who does all the visuals, he's a very good influence for that, you know? And it's one of those things where we went through the gauntlet, and we kind of like who we came out to be. So hopefully we can go really far with it. Um, but, you know, it's cool to represent kind of the underdog in some kind of way. So what do you think it is about your music in particular that attracts those types of fans, those generous, loving, warm fans? What kind of message do you think that you're sending out that draws those sort of people in? I, th- uh, I mainly think it's like the, the like the lyrics that a lot of people relate to because you know people write us messages all the time how you know through our lyrics we've helped them through depression through uh, dealing with a loved one that has like cancer or uh, you know yeah, what, I think whatever I mean it's just kind of like it's kind of like mind boggling that like you all, all you do is like you know your brain tells you what to do right and you do it and you put it onto tape. And then it's just, you see what happens. And then to get something like that, to get a response like that's very meaningful. And, you know, I, I personally think that puts a know, reason to what we do. I personally think that anybody who makes music lyrically, who you are comes through in the lyrics, you know, and uh, everybody's got their life, or whatever. I haven't had a particularly great one. Um, and I feel like I'm the kind of person where I'm very cynical, uh, I'm very goth as a human being, but I also am very, uh, or I think I'm capable of being very loving and very nice, but I'm also very mean and very to the point. And I think that people could feel, um, like I'm saying a real thing and sometimes it is depressing, but the whole gist of the song is always, you know what, as terrible as this is, like, we're lucky to know each other. You know, we're lucky to be able to get through it, to be able to figure it out. Sometimes it's not even what I'm really saying. I think it's just like the delivery of the line or the attitude or that mystical kind of thing that's in there. But I feel like people could feel what you mean, even if you don't know what you mean. Um, Because that really explains why bands make it that um, don't have all the support, you know. But I really do think um, the reason it's so warm is kind of because my... Kind of, kind of my family. I mean, we're always like, like my family is kind of like our live show, loud, crazy, annoying. <laughs> Everyone's talking too much. You know, John was there. You know, he's friends with best friends with my brothers and sisters. But we're very loving too, even though we're all pains in the ass. You know, so I feel like that's part of it. Like that loud, rude Jersey person. Yeah. But you, you know, you'll take the shit off your back at the end of the day. Like at the end of the day. The music's not as important as a human being in the crowd, you know. Yeah, the show's also about it's you know it's the show's about bringing people in into our world for that 45, 40 minutes, whatever it is, instead of, you know, them observing these larger than life people how we play our instruments so awesomely. It's not even about that with us. It's about like, you know, you coming into our world for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. 
Nice. Well, John and Brandon, it was an absolute pleasure, man. Well, thanks, thanks for uh, the interview, man. Welcome back to the Springs. Have yeah, a great man. show tonight. Thanks and a lot. I look forward to seeing you next time through. Excellent, man. Thanks, thanks for Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. So there you have it, John Tacon and Brandon Azraf, better known as Brick and Mortar. My heartfelt thanks to both for making time before their sold-out show at the Black Sheep to be on the podcast. The song at the top of the episode is called Train and comes off their 2015 album entitled Dropped, which is available on iTunes or directly through their website at brmr.net. All my best to John and Brandon, and I definitely look forward to catching up with them the next time they roll through town. Thank you to Jeremy and the great folks at the Black Sheep for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a second to post a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast media. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.